live in the dungeon. This is the Dream Warrior Review. I'm Kurt Thomas. I'm Mick Strawn. And this is episode 41. This yeah. movie we're going to do right now, say it. It's set in 1922. It's set in 1922. It's another Stephen King. Another this is Stephen based on King. a novella. Novella, yeah, which is right. like a shorter version it, of a novel. It, it, it's based on something that, it's based on three sentences that he wrote in a bathroom. Right, probably. <laughs> on a bathroom wall. Yeah. Okay. A farmer writes his confession on how he conspires to murder his wife for financial gain. Woohoo. Yes. Yes. The dark mind of a farmer. Yes. <laughs> And, and, and how wrong it could go. Yes. How, how evil. When you're isolated in the, the evil fields, in the hearts of men. Things can happen. <laughs> now, if if I talked through this podcast the way he talked through that film, Yes. But that had that had a certain charm, didn't it? No, it didn't. It really didn't. Yeah, I, I just so, you know for some reason maybe it was it was down in that level. I have this in baseline area, you know, where oh, I've okay. like destroyed my hearing. I know what you mean. You know, it's it. I just couldn't understand a word he said for most of the film. See, for me that kind of set the tone. Yeah, not understanding. And this movie things. is all about tone. Yeah, it was. Yeah, slow definitely. paced. I mean, once you get into it, I mean, at first I hated it. I was like, "Oh my god, is something going to happen yet?" And then I was like, "Okay, I'll get into it." It, ha- it had a cum- it did it. It had an accumulative effect. I did like it much better than uh, Gerald's Game. Uh, right, and <laughs> they're totally different but films, but yeah, or movies. It was a very, very kind of standard story. Though. Yeah, it was very straightforward, and, and it. At first, I thought it was gonna be a horror movie, like right, yeah. Because Stephen King, I was yeah, I was waiting for yeah, something weird right, to happen, exactly. but it was like just kind of a dark story about yeah, this farmer. Yeah, it, it was it was very dark, very dark, and 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 you know, it was even shot dark. I mean, yeah, the whole nothing, movie was kind of dark. Nothing seemed to go right for him, and he seemed to, you know, at the time that he makes his decision, he seems to just suck the light out of his entire world. Did you so, not like the cow scene? I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, the cow scene was. <laughs> yeah, that's. A, I mean, yeah, no, I like that. I also like the one shot of him. There was a shot of him and his wife and his son together, and they'd put flowers around the uh, around the porch, and they're trying to. It was kind of a. Oh, this yeah. is what could have been. Oh, it was when it was. Still, it was like all bright. Right, right. So it that's what I'm saying. The lighting yeah. was different. Yeah. The yeah, the lighting was different on that one. Sh- and, and for some reason. That that one shot kind of lifted my soul up a little bit, only to be crushed by the, the right. whole feel of the film. Oh man, it was crushing. It was, know? yeah. I, I thought the sto- actually, even though the story was pretty basic, I thought it was actually kind of cool how they did, it, especially when they followed the the son. Oh yeah, when he went yeah. out with that other with a girl, right? And, and, and what happened with that girl? What happens with the girl? It's just crazy. Yeah, and the way the that, neighbor. Oh, and the way that she <laughs> and the neighbor and ha- yeah, the the way that uh, all the rest of. Everything that is around this guy, even even things that he doesn't like, yeah, you know, just just die. Basically, it's about all the things around you dying. Yeah, you know, it, and and it's because of you. It's because of choices that you made. It is the karma motherfucker of all times. I tell you. So in a way, it's kind of related to Gerald's game, actually, because it's about Gerald's game was about what other people did to you. 
this is about what you do to screw up your own life and other people's (laughs) lives. I mean, he destroyed a lot of things. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, uh, I, 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 I love that the vehicles, you know, the, uh, model A's and the, um, uh, and the Model Ts. Yeah. No, no, they, they were Model Ts, yeah. I like the overall look of it. I mean, I thought yeah, it was Yeah, the overall look nice. was great. Especially it, the wheat fields when the wind was blowing and it was very, like, dark. And, and didn't, <laughs> didn't you like it when the rich guy comes? And and th- who's the actor that was the rich guy? Because he, he's great. Oh, uh, he's sort of like a modern-day Rutger Hauer. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I love it that when he drives to the... Uh, when he comes over to his house, he's he's driving the nice car, yeah, and the, and the nice Model T, and it's just beautiful. The car was just so beautiful, and and and, oh, and also can say that the uh, the guy who played the sheriff did such a good job of it, sort of uh, uh, just uh, bringing the bringing oh, sheriff. the, the oh, news sorry. to him. Yeah, Brian Darcy James played the sheriff. Yeah, I, I loved it because the sheriff's rule in it was to kind of mark time as we went along, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, he seemed to be the touchstone for all the horrible things that kept going wrong for this guy. And who was the rich guy? That was, uh, Neil McDonald was the guy that played the rich guy. (laughs) Well, really, really? (laughs) Yeah. I just looked it up. Yeah, I know. I know you did. Yeah. I saw you. (laughs) Oh, one thing I liked about overall, it was kind of like, so, if you look at it, if you think it's a horror movie and you watch it that way, one thing I like about it is it has kind of a very classic horror movie feel. Like before, with the, with the, the jump scares, animals. no jump scares. Yeah. It was just kind of like Right, just a building. Creepy. It was a building one, creepy, like the the the, the mice, or yeah. the, the rats. Yeah. yeah. yeah and the really, rats were kind of in the walls scratching. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there weren't any jump scares, but it was there was a lot of creepy moments. Yeah, no. It, 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 it was more of that soaking the light out of life yes. kind of kind of horror film you know you know it's the typical soaking the light out light you kind of feel like life. it's kind of sucking it out of you when you're watching it actually if you get in yeah it was sort of <laughs> yeah sort of the so how many corn cobs would you get this one corn cobs <laughs> <laughs> or wheat grains i don't know <laughs> uh yeah how many corn cobs uh i'm gonna go uh three 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 corn cobs yeah I'd probably be right, right around the same. Actually, have you have you ever actually used an outhouse, a real old fashioned yeah. outhouse? Yeah? Oh sure, yeah. Where? Well, I was a Boy Scout for one, so the summer camp Tell I used to go to all the time. It. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, we are here. We are here. We are here. <laughs> We had outhouses in the summer camps, and I, I grew up in Wyoming. I mean, right, like, outhouses yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Like, my parents and I would go camping and stuff. <laughs> we were lucky to have an outhouse. <laughs> well, speaking of outhouses, not far out of Larry Wyoming, there's this place called the Grand Encampment. Okay. And there's a double-decker outhouse there. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why it's double-decker is that some people can <laughs> on your head, but it's it's because the, the snow gets so deep that they have to have another level for oh, the winter. Yeah. Oh, that's... that's gross that's yeah well not, no that's, i mean they, it's they, not interesting that's gross. so when the snow gets deep i think they just start using the top level i don't know gotcha. what it's like to clean it gotcha well as far as i can remember i i, I never filled in the uh, our um, outhouse with a cow so <laughs> <laughs> but that was so, one of my favorite places to go no that's cool i mean just because it's uh, double decker um who knew right who knew right um and i wish so, i could tell you oh the grand encampment 
I just want to tell you what it is. It's a uh... so yeah, it's an it's an old town. <laughs> oh, cool! It's an old town. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, isn't it? I'm I'm going to um do do I have to look this up? Is there going to be a test on this? The Grand Encampment Museum is located along the Colorado Wyoming border in Encampment, the town of Encampment. It highlights copper mining, ranching, logging history in the area. It includes over 15 historical buildings and thousands of interesting objects. A research library is located in the main gallery. Everybody check out the Grand Encampment Museum. And I'm not getting paid to say this. You can see the double-decker outhouse. I'm making sure you're not getting paid at all. Gotcha. My, my, uh, I remember we, uh, Story time. Story time. It's story time with Mick. 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 We used to come up here all the time to Yakima. Used to fly up here, and uh, and there was an outhouse up here, uh, in in this like my grandparents, uh, were in a house that uh was the typical uh. The typical uh, farmhouse right. for Washington at that at that time, but the poor people's, you know, the black paper. Uh, honestly, honestly, there was black paper on the inside everywhere. When you looked around, there was because there was nothing on the walls. There was no cladding on the inside of the house. It was all black paper. It was very. It was. I come from white trash. My <laughs> my my dad was an itinerant. My dad actually was an itinerant laborer that used to travel up to Washington from um, from Colorado, and they used to follow the beet harvest. Oh, okay. because as the beets as you come west and north, the uh, no, not the beets. What am I? What, what's in beer? Barley, barley, or, uh, uh, hops. No, no, the hops. That's it, hops. And they used to pick uh, hops, and and they would ride the trains, and they would come up, and and, and uh, you know he, he literally he rode trains. I itinerant. Uh, wow. And eventually they settled, they settled over here in Yakima, and the house that you know he grew up in was this. You know, wooden shack that you know uh, had the tar paper on it, Whew. and all the rest of that. Seems like that'd be hot, especially in the summer. You know, I, 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 I don't know because he the the house that we would stay on on would be the one that he bought later on, which was also an old farmhouse that didn't it didn't have a uh, it didn't have a, a bathroom. It had a tub, but it didn't have a toilet. And you had to go, I, I just remember, you had to go out in the middle. Of the, it was 27 acres and um, out away from the house because, <laughs> you know, you didn't want one close to the right, house. Of course not. Was, was this incredibly funky, I mean incredibly funky, uh, outhouse. And and we, were all, we would only stay there, you know, through the summer, right? And my dad wasn't the type that would actually do anything to this house like clean or something but i remember on the inside of it it had this old flocked paper you know the like the um uh it looked like um s- swirling pattern you know done in done in 1920s flocked oh yeah wallpaper yeah. and it had that moon cut into it and the whole <laughs> and you know and the it's moon like, on the door yeah, the yeah, moon okay. on the, uh, yeah no no it was the classic and the thing is is uh, it, and it and everything was covered with this fabric that was that old, you know, it was like, it was horrendous. 
but we would come up for the summers. And I'm going to tell you a little story about flying with my dad <laughs> from San Bernardino, flying up to here. And and my dad was a pilot in World War II. And he was he knew how to fly before the war. And because of that, when the war came out, they made him a, a, a trainer, a, a pilot trainer. You know, that was what we did is we, we, we were very clever about our pilots. You know, if somebody got a... Um, shot down a, a few planes, they were immediately pulled back in and they were made to help do the tactics and, that and, makes they, sense. and yeah. they, and they trained more flyers. That was what, that was literally, we, they would have, uh, the Japanese would have pilots that would fly until they died. Yeah. And we, we just didn't do that. So the Germans did too, right? Yeah, they did too. It was a big mm. problem that, you know, b- both of them had that problem, but my dad was a pilot during the war. And so when, he had always had, he always would have a plane. And so when I got up into the sixties and I was, you know, between 10 and 14, right. Uh, I would fly with him, uh, instead of all the other kids, for some reason, I got to fly with him from there to Washington, from San Bernardino to Washington. And my dad as a pilot was the ultimate seat of the pants kind of pilot <laughs> the ultimate right and, and i think that he spent his life trying to get himself into situations where he would feel alive you know i mean you know he was just he he was just one of those guys that just kind of was waiting for a disaster you know he he went through like 14 horrendous car wrecks because he was just that guy that was like looking looking for the big boom right right so this was what it was like to fly with him. We would be in Tri-City and we would we would have this like uh uh V-tail bonanza and and we would get up we and throw my bag in. I'd be in the pilot seat. Uh I would be in the co-pilot seat. He's in the pilot seat. We get in, we would get up to cruising height there in like 20,000 feet or something like that. And he, then he would sit back and he would get himself on the compass dead north, right? You know, like from here to the dead north, right? So we get it flying dead north. And then there was this box of books that was down at the foot of my my side of the plane. And he'd reach in and it, they were, I just specifically remember that they were Zane Gray. You know, the ones, with the, uh, the cowboy guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And and there there was always like a, a you know a, a a horse and a and a man you know like with a six shooter on on the front right, and what he would do is he's, he'd reach down and he'd grab like five or six of them and he would like trade them out like one thickness for another until he got the yoke to like equal level flight. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. And then he would turn to me and he would say. You keep your eye on those books, and if one of them moves, you wake me up, and he would go to sleep. Wow! <laughs> so autopilot. So auto, awesome. yeah, autopilot with books. I mean, and and should have patented that idea. And, and he was always running out of gas in his airplane <laughs> because he was always. The thing is, is little planes. I, I don't know if you know much about planes, but little planes have a always have a problem in that they have long, low, flat tanks. Okay, gas tanks. Right. And the problem with a long, low, flat gas tank is that you can't meter how much gas you've got. You've got, and 
because they're very small and weight makes a big difference. Well, that's why they're long, right? Just to balance out the weight, I would imagine, right? Well, it's it's so that they can get enough capacity, okay. right? Yeah. So you have one behind you. You usually have one behind you, one under your seats, and then one in each wing. And you have to balance the ones on the on the. You have to balance all these, and you and it'll only pull out of one at a time. So you keep moving it around so that that doesn't make you fly like in some strange manner. Like so, the Spirit of St. Louis with Jimmy Stewart, right? Exactly. Switched around. I remember that. Okay. So you always have to switch tanks. And the thing is, is because the tanks are so long and low, if you run out, they're too low to 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 siphon. There's no pressure to siphon and actually make the plane go again. And you have to like go through this pumping procedure on the ground. And he was forever running out of gas. And so one time I distinctly remember this. And this is, this is the weirdest recollection, but it, it talk about getting burned in your head. We're coming up and, and we would follow the five freeway. And we're following the five freeway and we get out like uh, north of like Lake County, you know, you know, just like that area above Shasta. That's just absolutely nothing but farmland on either side. Right. And we are on now when you're flying, you always fly with with the traffic. So you fly on that side of the road. So we're going north. So we're on this side of the road. But at the time, there were all almond trees. OK, we're at about. I want to say we're flying really low because it's foggy and he's trying to like see the lights of the cars down below. And so we're ridiculously low when he runs out of gas and, 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 and we're on the side of the freeway. That's got nothing but trees. So is that a good thing though? If you're low, no, it's, it, it's not good. No, it's not good because you have to land. Right. And, and what you have to do is you have to, what he had to do is get on the other side of the freeway uh. where the, yeah, and so he where it's d- clear <laughs> where it's clear and so he sw- swings it around and comes in and he now he's coming the other direction because you don't ever want to go you know it's it's like a traffic thing so he swings around and comes and now he's over on the other side and he comes out underneath the fog it's a thousand he's at a thousand feet that's how that's the ceiling okay so as we come out of the fog all of a sudden this runway just opens up in front of us and it's a crop dusting runway and, it, and, <laughs> wow. it, and it's getting dark. It's just about, it's just about, you know, getting twilight. Right. And, and we set it right down. Right. And the sun goes down and <laughs> there's a farmhouse. Like it looked like, like maybe three quarters of a mile away. We see the lights come on the farmhouse. We see, um, the lights come in on, on a truck. See the truck go around and wind around and comes around and comes down the road like this and down the road like, and we're both standing beside the plane and the truck comes up and illuminates the two of us standing there and the driver gets up and he goes, Verge! <laughs> <laughs> that's my father's that's name. That's his it's name. Virgil. Yeah, okay. It's Virgil, right? I picked it up, yeah. He goes, Verge! And it turned out that he had landed accidentally in the same place on the same runway before. <laughs> now, 
Now, this wasn't lost on the guy on the on this guy, right? So, and and literally, we couldn't take off again uh, until the next day, and we had to get fuel and everything else. And so, so we literally went and stayed at the uh, at this guy's house. And then in the morning, we went to the only restaurant for like you know a uh, hundred miles around, and the guy had like called all of these people, you know, because this was the funniest thing that could possibly happen. And my dad. This was very much like me as far as being a gregarious, you know, guy. And so he he was like a conquering hero because of this incredibly <laughs> stupid thing that he had done twice, right? And we were in this camp cafe and he is holding court and telling stories and all I could sit there and think is my this is this is my life. <laughs> this this is this is my life. Right. I sort of God, I'm going to get my brother to fly with him next time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not that he ever did. And we had very many. We had many, 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 many adventures just like that. But um, that's what flying with my father was like. Jeez, that sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very weird thing to know at a very, very young age how when you're in a really weird situation. And here's the here's the thing is my life has never been different from that. I I I kind of embrace weird situations, but at the same time, weird weird situations have always embraced me. Well, you were in the right field then. I would well the, <laughs> yeah. Well, the question is is this is did the field attract me or they called or, you or did I attract the field? Hard to tell. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Dream Warrior Review. This is Kirk Thomas along with Mick Strawn. We appreciate you listening to us. And please let your friends and family know about how awesome we are. You can hit us up at dreamwarriorreview at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Review. We'll see you next time on the Dream Warrior Review. Yeah,